Thank you for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com, the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Dana Workman from Haunted Highway on Sci-Fi, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Boom. This is Bill Murphy of Sci-Fi Channel's Fact or Fake Paranormal Files, and you're listening to The Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hey everybody, this is Rex Williams, the medic from Destination Truth, and you're listening to the ghost host, Sophia, on LiveParanormal.com. This is True TV's haunting evidence investigator, Patrick Burns. And ghost huntress author, Marley Gibson. And you're You're listening listening to ghost host, host, Sophia Temporelli. And Michael Perry. And we're here... Hello, we're here at the Ghost Host with Sophia Temporelli and Weekly Paranormal.com. Weekly, weekly at LiveParanormal.com. <laughs> this is Stefan Brigatti from Pacific Coast Paranormal, and you're listening to the Ghost Host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. She rocks. This is Christopher Sanders with My Ghost Story on Biography. You are listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. Hi, this is Professor Lloyd Auerbach, parapsychologist, and you're listening to The Ghost Host with Sophia Tipparelli on LiveParanormal.com. This is author Alexandra Holzer, and you're listening to ghost host Sophia Temporelli. Hi, this is Jeff Belanger, host of 30 Odd Minutes, founder of GhostVillage.com, and author of lots of your favorite paranormal books, and you're listening to the ghost host Sophia on LiveParanormal.com. Boo! This is Nick Groff, executive producer of Ghost Adventures, the original documentary in Ghost Adventures, season 1 through 10, and executive producer of Ghost Stalkers, author of Chasing Spirits, the building of the Ghost Adventures crew, and founder of NickGroffTours.com. You are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporelli, on LiveParanormal.com. Tune in. Hey, this is Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures, and you are listening to the ghost host, Sophia Temporilli, on LiveParanormal.com. This is April, the psychic housewife in New Jersey, featured on the travel channels, The Holes of Files. I just wanted to wish my very dear friend, Sophia Temporelli, a very happy 11-year anniversary right here on Live Paranormal. Congratulations, Sophia. I love you and I'm so proud of you. 
That's right, it's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Zimbroli on LiveParanormal.com and now on GhostHunting.com. Congratulations, Sophia, yes, on 11 years of broadcasting here on LiveParanormal.com and GhostHunting.com. Thank you, Rob Sarek, the site founder. Thank you for providing this format each and every week and to all of our moderators. Thank you guys for patching us through at live events when we had no internet feed. Thank you guys so much for all of your help throughout the years. Feel free to call into the show, 347-202-0316. That's 347-202-0316 as well. Feel free to jump into the liveparanormal.com chat room. It only takes a second to uh, sign in, get yourself an avatar, and you're part of the LP family. If you have any questions in the chat room for our guests, make sure they're all caps so we can distinguish among the chatter in the chat room, too. We'll be posting their links throughout in the chat room to our guests. Um, hope everyone's keeping safe out there. Today, we welcome television writer and author Rich Hosek, uh, film and screenplay writer and author Arnold Rudnick, and televised parapsychologist, paranormal investigator, mentalist, and author Lloyd Auerbach as all three celebrate the second book in their Rainy Day Investigation series, Afterlife. Everyone visit on Twitter at Lloyd Auerbach, at Rich Hosek, at Arnold Rudnick, and for both Afterlife and Near Death and their book series, visit Amazon.com. You can do by search, too, as well at BarnesandNoble.com or wherever you get your books as well. Uh, coming up, we have renowned astrologer Jeff, Jeff, uh, see, Jeff Harmon will be on the program. Uh, coming up next, so it's that. It's next Saturday, the uh, uh, February 4th. He's coming on to give some live to 2023 predictions. As well, we have Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Michigan Hell House host investigator Steve Shippey and media, uh, medium Cindy Kazel will be on the program coming up. Uh, they're securing their dates right now. So like the ghost host Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com Facebook fan page. Learn of the guests as we learn of them real time. And also like LiveParanormal.com, the Facebook group page. And uh, starting tonight on Live Paranormal at 7 p.m., be on the screen in Ghost Light Radio, and as well as Mondays monthly right here, uh, Chip Coffee of A&E's Paranormal State, Psychic Kids, now on Kindred Spirits. He's right here on Mondays. If you miss anything, archive shows are available as free MP4 iTunes downloads on the homepage of Live Paranormal. And we'll bring the, the host in here. Sophia, congratulations on over 11 years of broadcasting here. Hey, thank you. I can't believe it's already been 11 years. Yeah, you're doing a fantastic job. Your show has helped a lot of people through the years. And uh, you got all these things. you got the Instagram, the Twitter, all these things that uh, you kids use. Uh, where can people find you? I'm on Instagram, at Temporelli, and Twitter, at Temporelli is 1L, because you gave me too long of a name. Yeah, we cursed you with a long name when it comes to social media. So just drop an L, and you'll be able to find Sophia Temporal and also on her YouTube page. Well, tell us about your guest. Today we welcome televised, uh, television writer and author Richard Hosek, feature film and screenplay writer and author Arnold Brudnick, and televised parapsychologist, paranormal investigator, and author Lloyd Auerbach, as all three celebrate the second book in their rainy day investigation series afterlife everyone visit richhosek.com twitter at lloyd Auerbach at rich hosek at arnold rudnick and for both afterlife and near death in their book series visit amazon.com and barnesnoble.com let's welcome them into the show okay i'm trying to uh, this usually means we have a lot of people tuning in here it's real slow on the loading here and x okay there we go we have all three of you in the studio thanks for coming on hey there thanks for us Good hey, afternoon. thank you guys. I've, 
so much for coming on today. Sure. Absolutely. Happy to be Always here. a pleasure. So to start off, um, how did you all meet and, you know, eventually create your book series? Hey, Arnold, so, I think you should take that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my, I'm Arnold. Uh, we'll each introduce ourselves. Uh, so, yeah, Rich Hosek and I uh, both went to college at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, and we made films together, and we moved out to Los Angeles uh, pretty close to each other. And uh, we were writing together for television and such. And then I was also working at Paramount Pictures at, uh, in the motion picture de uh, story department and tasked with doing some research on a paranormal project that, that didn't actually end up getting made. But I had to find the expert on the paranormal. And I was really <laughs> good at my research. And that led me to Lloyd Auerbach and what became a, a decade uh, friendship as well as a professional relationship. Lloyd and I began developing a project that, that actually is related to this one. We all have been friends and colleagues for some time, but we met through our shared interest in entertainment and the paranormal. I mean, that's always amazing, you know, when you can find people that have shared interests like that and collaborate on a project. So um, it's really cool that you guys were able to do that. Um, for each of you, I know, Lloyd, you've been a parapsychologist, um, very renowned for many years. But for each of you, how mm -hmm. did you start having an interest in the paranormal? Was it an experience you had when you were younger, or have you just always had an interest? Yeah, this is well, I'll start here. Me, is, oh, go ahead, Rich. No, go ahead, Rich. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I jumped in there. Yeah. For for me, it's it's just always been a curiosity. I've always been fascinated by paranormal and other mysteries, you know, UFOs and the pyramids and all that kind of stuff. So it's always been a fascination of mine. And getting the opportunity to work on this story, especially with Lloyd's input and his background and uh, the benefit of all his research and knowledge, has been uh, just a dream come true because you get to sort of like tell the story from the from a real perspective that is that is rooted in reality rather than just some fantasy paranormal story. This is this is a story that you know is, this particular book is based on a, a uh, an investigation Lloyd did years ago, and it just rings so true. And people that have read it have said, "Wow, this really makes me believe in this kind of stuff because it just makes so much sense." For sure. Um, and how about you, Arnold and Lloyd? Uh, what kind of piqued your interest? Was it an experience, or have you just always had an interest? Uh, that's a great question. This is Arnold again. I, um, I, I've been interested in many things, which is why I went into film and television and writing. You know, I wanted to be about every career that exists, and I realized I wanted to be those careers as I saw them in the, in the movies and on television. Um, so the paranormal was one area that I became fascinated with and, and just always attracted me just because, you know, the power of the mind. And I think all of us as writers, I mean, I, I love the idea of reading minds, but we're actually writing minds and, and we're sharing things in our books that, that cross time. And, and so I, I've always been amazed by it. I think I'm, on the, on, still on the skeptical side, but I totally believe, and Lloyd has helped me frame uh, some of that as I've done my investigations, so totally open-minded, totally intrigued 
And uh, Lloyd, I'll let you explain your long history. Sure. Well, yeah, as, as you mentioned, Sophia, I've been in this field now actually for over 40 years, which is hard to believe. But uh, my interest mm-hmm. actually goes back to when I was a little kid. Uh, my dad was a producer, was, uh, well, at that point he wasn't a producer yet, but he was working for NBC. And so I was introduced to psychic stuff on TV shows even before I could read. Um, I had a TV set in my room when I was two. And I am a product of the TV generation, but also comic books and mythology and folklore. Um, I was very fortunate in that um, my interest, as a, because I was such a reader also, uh, in both science and the supernatural, sent me to the library. After hearing the word parapsychology on the TV show Dark Shadows in the 60s, I found the books, uh, the science books, on parapsychology by J.B. Ryan and a few others. And that hooked me in to the point where I actually, with a couple of teachers, was able to start a parapsychology club in my high school uh, and even meet some New York area parapsychologists growing up. So I've had a really longstanding interest, but I I do tie it back to more science fiction comic books and and actually Mm -hmm. dramatic recreations of psychic experiences on old shows like One Step Beyond, certainly much more than the horror movies that so many people seem to be, to love. Yeah, I, I totally understand. I mean, I'm a paranormal investigator, but horror movies are just not my thing. Um, but it's really great. I mean, hearing each of your backstories um, with the paranormal, it really does seem like, you know, uh, kind of the artistic media of the paranormal and just, you know, having a drive for it really connected all of you and led you guys together. Well, I'm growing up in an entertainment family, my father, and actually my uncle was a director for soap operas, um, I, I, and all this interest that I had from comic books and science fiction, I kept that interest throughout. And in fact, part of my first book, ESP Hauntings and Poltergeist, covers how pop culture, the movies, TV, science fiction, comic books, how that actually connects to the paranormal and psychic phenomena. I've read a lot of fiction over the years, and I teach a course for the Ryan Education Center on all of this, on how psychics and the paranormal connects to TV and movies and literature, comic books, all that. Yeah, and, and Lloyd and I also enjoyed a in, in Hollywood. We did a workshop. Would a ghost say that? Mm-hmm. Because we've both been very frustrated by some of the misrepresentation of of the paranormal. Mm-hmm. Because this is what kids watch and this is how they learn about what a ghost and poltergeist and the meanings and the abilities and telekinesis and and all of this stuff. And, you know, there's a responsibility for artists to at least share information in in a responsible way. Yeah, there have been a few movies that have been really good. You know, um, the TV show Ghosts right now on CBS and its BBC counterpart are a much better model than what we see on the paranormal um, TV shows, the reality shows. Definitely. I mean, I think uh, I was talking about this on a recent show. It's just like, you know, it's great to have uh, these paranormal shows on TV because it does bring awareness of the paranormal and, you know, helps people gain an interest and makes you wonder. But Mm -hmm. I mean, after that point, you should always do research because, you know, investigating isn't what they show on TV. I mean, a lot of times it's sitting in the dark for eight hours and sometimes you catch stuff, sometimes you don't. And then it's even longer sifting through evidence. 
so even though it's like exciting on TV, you know, there's always so much more behind it that doesn't get shown. Right. And what they don't show on TV is how parapsychologists have been doing this for over a hundred years. And one of the things we don't do is we don't sit around in the dark. So um, <laughs> yeah. we do, we do have stakeouts sometimes, but there's no, they're literally with the rarest exception is no reason to be in the dark, even in the middle of the night, just simply because the I phenomena is agree. seen. Yeah. It's seen by everybody throughout the day. Yeah. No, I completely agree. I know for a TV, it looks cooler and better in the dark, Yeah, right. but I lived in a haunted house and that was constant night and day. I mean, it didn't stop. It wasn't like this only happens as soon as the sun goes down. I mean, paranormal activity mm-hmm. is going to happen no matter what time of day it is, no matter where you are, it's either going to happen or it's not. And there's not really any way to control that. Um, and it being nighttime doesn't <laughs> enhance activity. Yeah. Yeah, I, I vaguely remember an old cartoon where the, there's a couple of ghosts talking to each other at the foot of somebody's bed, and one of the ghosts says, damn, you're asleep again. We have to wait till morning. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those things, you know. I, I think that a lot of people have that misconception because of paranormal TV, and I do understand that, like, you know, at nighttime there's less um, – you know, background noise and, you know, things that can contaminate evidence. But realistically, you can investigate at any time of the day. It right. doesn't have to be nighttime. Right. Yeah, and actually, you know, this all goes back to telling ghost stories around the campfire for thousands of years. And the idea that in the dark is the unknown. Um, it's more than TV. TV captured an idea that horror movies have been doing before and ghost stories have been doing for a very, very long time. Uh, although t- Charles Dickens had a huge impact on ghost stories uh, and how they're told in the Western world back in the 19th century. Yeah, I mean, I think there's so much to literature, too, just the way that it kind of really pushes people's interest, too. I mean, you know, all these horror stories and horror movies and um, just interest in kind of the supernatural does derive a lot from the literature, like you said, Charles Dickens and Mm -hmm. people having interest in that. And with your book as well, I mean, you guys obviously have this great collaboration, but what was, who came up with the initial idea to make this book and how did you guys, you know, sit down and decide, yeah, the three of us are going to write this. So, so we actually, uh, Lloyd and I uh, started a TV project, and, and that was around the time uh, Rich and I were, were committing to writing team in Hollywood. And so we developed Rainy and Day, the, the characters, in a TV pilot movie of the week, Factor Pilot is what it was called, and uh, had some interest uh, from a producer. And when we were taking it out, everybody said, Nobody would do the paranormal on TV, and we and and by the time it was brought around, we had Gen, you know Jennifer Day, a female parapsychologist and skeptical uh, cop, Nate Rainey, and uh, that was before the X Files. <laughs> so we put it on a shelf. X Files came out for over a decade, and we couldn't do anything with it because the X Files was male female. It was paranormal. It, you know, not the same, but the same area. And so we moved on to other stuff, and uh, then then later, Rich really did the heavy lifting and looked at our project and said, hey, do you guys mind if I novelize this? And, and that's the first book in the series, Near Death. 
which uh, Rich did a phenomenal job, and we, we were proud to help out and, and see it come into life finally after two-plus decades. And then Afterlife is the second book in the series. It's, it's standalone. You, you can enjoy mm-hmm. and learn the characters without the first book, um, but we're excited to continue their stories, and we've, we've now had a few people comment it would be a great streaming series, so we, we might go full circle. We'll see. I mean, that's always great to hear that when you make, you know, work because, I mean, reading is great because you get to envision things yourself, but also just being able to see it on TV and play out is a lot of fun, too, just being able to, I feel like, interact with the characters more emotionally when you can see the actors put their all behind the character. Yeah, it's all about reaching audience, and we love the opportunity for for these characters that uh, they were just rich characters to begin with and, and became mm-hmm. even so much more during the novelization, which I think rich can talk about that. We're, we're working from Northern California, Los Angeles and Chicago. So truly uh, taking advantage of, of technology today. Absolutely. Yeah, and rich. What? Oh, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Ask your question, please. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, I know they said that you heard about it and decided you wanted to novelize it, but what what about the book series really drew you to it and wanting to actually turn it into a book? Well, the characters are are something that I've I've always been really really in love with. I mean, uh, with I think Arnold kind of skipped over that the original version of the story had two male characters. Um, teaming up to, to do the investigations. And during the development of it as a TV uh, script, we, we kind of said, you know, it would be more fun if, if the parapsychologist was a woman. So the character that we based on Lloyd is actually uh, a woman in the book series. She has a lot of the same background. She's a professor. She's uh, uh, interested in anthropology, parapsychology, does magic, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so we have these really fantastic characters. And I think all stem and they're like they've got this story already told and since we wrote it as a backdoor pilot there was always that sense that there's going to be more stories to tell so once we kind of opened the door for them to come out and and be characters in a novel it really just kind of like snowballed from there so the story we we had this, the basic story set up in the pilot script that we wrote and so I took that and I expanded on it, added a few more characters, gave some more interaction, played up the sexual tension between the two of them. And the first book I thought was turned out so great that, you know, we've, we've got to do more. And so we do have a few more books plotted out after this one. Uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to it because uh, we get to see not only the characters develop their relationship together, but Nate, who is the skeptic of the duo, he's the police detective, Jennifer Day is the uh, anthropology professor, parapsychologist. Nate's, um, Nate's skepticism is really being put to the test in these books because he is actually experiencing paranormal phenomenon in his own life, but he's trying to explain it away with what he calls logic. <laughs> and, and, and he's like saying, no, there's a logical explanation for all this stuff, and he sometimes has to contort himself to try to explain it. I think if a skeptic was reading this book, he'd say, yeah, no, Nate's got a point there. So it's kind of written from that point, too, where like even if you are a skeptic, you're not really a believer in the paranormal, you're still going to be drawn in by these stories and these characters. And maybe you may even find yourself becoming more open-minded. 
Yeah, they're very they're very human characters, and I, I hearing Rich talk about it, I guess you can say we were haunted by them for for twenty five years, <laughs> and just had to. They were knocking on the the drawer of the desk and said, "Let me out," and he wrote the mm-hmm. book. Well, that's fantastic. And I know when people fall in love with characters, they usually try to envision who they would love to play them if it was a TV show. So for each of you um, to help the audience kind of visualize these characters, who do you think should play these characters if it did go to a streaming service? Wow, that is a great question. You're you're kind of putting us on the spot right now. (laughs) I can can tell you that because when I'm writing a novel, I do see these people in my head. I would I would love yeah. to see Gwyneth Paltrow as Jennifer Day. I'd love to see John Hamm as Detective Nate Rainey. Um, those are the two leads I think really kind of envision the characters as I'm doing them in my mind, right? You know, sort of the real button-up police detective type of guy, and then the free-spirited woman who just incredibly smart, very intelligent, very creative, and uh, just dedicated to her work. Yeah, that's a really great question. It's interesting because we, like Rich said, when we first began the pilot so long ago, uh, we were thinking Anthony Edwards and, and Brian Danahy back, at, back when it was uh, two male leads. Uh, but we really love that this has had a strong female character at the heart uh, in Jennifer Um but yeah, Lloyd, who, who's yours? Uh, you know, I, I hadn't really given this any thought. Um, I mean, what pops in my head is is actually right off the bat is Stana Kadic and Nate Fillion, who played you know the the two on Castle, mm-hmm. because they yeah, played exactly. off so well. Yeah, and Nate Fillion. Yeah, has, they were great. You know, he he's got he's got that edge of humor, and uh, at the same time, I've seen him be ske- highly skeptical in a couple other roles he's been in. So. It, it, and I've been thinking, yes, we started some rough conversations about this. I actually would love Anne Hathaway as, as Jennifer. Mm. Um, and then I am a huge Steve Gutenberg fan, and we know from Police Academy that he's a cop. And I think to be more on the serious side, he could really deliver Nate, too. He's a bit older these days. Ooh. <laughs> no, he is a bit older, totally, and that is kind of where we've always talked about different different areas. And 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 right in yeah. the novels right now, I think uh, Nathan is is definitely right on the spot or, or Rich's suggestion. But but I think there's room to to look to a variety of, of talent to embody these. Absolutely. And I know with the age of gaming, too, could you guys ever envision your book series as a video game? We're open well, to that's anything. A tough one. That's a great question. Yeah, story-driven puzzle type of, of game, I think, would probably be the direction we'd go with that. Right. Yeah, definitely not first-person shooter. <laughs> yeah. yeah, not I mean, Call of Duty. They are mystery novels, right? So there are clues throughout the books that, uh, you know, that we sort of drop in there and then sort of pay off at the end. Uh, so it, it does kind of lend itself to that type of format. But, uh, yeah, that'd be fun to do. It would be fun to do a choose-your-own-adventure ghost investigation, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, you have so many great games out, I mean, with the way technology is, where you can really immerse yourself in the game. And to me, that would sound like a lot of fun with your book series, um, you know, just with the paranormal and investigative games. It makes me think of the one from years ago called Murdered Soul Suspects. So it made me think that there is potential, you know, for this to be a video game where your audience can really feel immersed into it, not even just through a streaming series. That's yeah, a so great idea. Yeah, with the right, right, with the right game, game producer, right game producer, this could even you know, be a VR game with the ghosts appearing and trying to communicate with them as well. Ooh. And, and yeah. the younger Scoot where you're catching the ghost in, in you know. Right. Yeah. Um, I do know we have to take a quick commercial break, though, but we'll be right back with more questions. It's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. Our guest today, uh, we welcome television writer and author Rich Hoffick, feature film screenplay writer and author Arnold Rudnick, and televised parapsychologist Lloyd Auerbach, as all three celebrate the second book in their Rainy Day Investigation series, Afterlife. Everyone visit on Twitter at Lloyd Auerbach, at Rich Hoffick, at Arnold Rudnick, and uh, for both Afterlife and Near Death in their book series, visit Amazon.com barnesandnoble.com, or wherever books are sold. It's the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on liveparanormal.com. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Dustin Perry, the Paranormal Rockstar, and you're listening to the Ghost Host with the most, Sophia Temporelli, only on liveparanormal.com. joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.LiveParanormal.com the only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. Not only am I Dave Schrader, but I'm Dave Schrader of Travel Channel's The Holzer Files, and you're listening to (laughs) Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. I feel left out. I wanted to throw myself into your mix of, of voiceovers now. <laughs> I love it. You know, uh, it's almost like we didn't leave break. Oh, poor Dave left out all the conversations. I'm trying to unmute, bring everybody back into the studio there. We have a little bit of a lag in the studio. So there we, we are. See. Uh, Lloyd, I, I know you had a guest spot on The View. And so, okay, we have Sophia back. Um yeah, you were on a on the View once, and you were discussing a case uh, with the panel uh, uh, regarding a boy and a ghost. Did that mm-hmm. have the inspiration in this? Yeah. So the case that I brought up on the View, um, which was actually the case that caused me to completely go towards the the side of yes, ghosts absolutely exist. Consciousness exists after death. Uh, was one that happened. Uh, call came in late '84 into eight, and then I investigated '85. 
and it was one with such rich information and and history uh, of the case. Um, a, this young boy had been talking to this ghost every day since they moved into this old Victorian home here in the Bay Area about a year and a half before they called. And unbeknownst to him, um, his mother had seen the ghost once in a while. His father had seen the ghost, his grandmother when she was visiting. But none of them were talking to each other until the boy actually brought it up to his mother one day after school. And she was surprised that he found out that they were all seeing the ghost because the ghost told him. Um, so we ended up in a situation where this was not a family that was afraid at all. Um, they were curious. They uh, really didn't want to get rid of the ghost in any way, shape, or form, especially since the boy himself, Chris, just, just had a great experience talking to this ghost all the time. And what we were able to do was to get information through the boy. He was kind of acting as a medium or an intermediary. He wasn't being taken over or anything. But he provided us um, a lot of answers to our questions, uh, family stories about the woman when she was alive. Because she had been born in the house and lived there her entire life. She did not die in the house. She died in the hospital. Uh, And I was able to actually, through some clues that were given to me from, from, apparently from the ghost through the boy, to track down the only living relative of this woman who confirmed the family stories. But she also, through the boy, provided us with some responses about what, what happened when she died and why she was still there and uh, a number of other aspects about uh, her, uh, her appearance and why some people saw her and, and didn't, why she had clothing on and could change those clothes. So all these questions that I'd always wanted to ask a ghost we got the answers to that. And given that the information that he gave about the family stories in history all played out and there was literally no source otherwise for it, um, it, this was the only explanation for the situation. That's amazing. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's incredible when stuff like that happens where, you know, someone's able to, you know, know something that they absolutely shouldn't know except through, you know, a supernatural explanation. Um, Have you seen any other cases like that? Or is this kind of a rare case um, with your years of knowledge? Well, over the years, um, I've had some, a couple of recurring cases where we go back again, we've gone back a number of times just to kind of keep on top of things. One of the most important things that differentiates parapsychology or parapsychologists and the way we investigate from what you see on TV is the focus is on witnesses, uh, not on technology. Um, Because without witness experiences, you don't have anything to investigate. So Mm -hmm. we focus on the witnesses. And so in some of the public places, especially a couple of places here in the Bay Area, such as the Moss Beach Distillery Restaurant, which I've been dealing with for years, I've been able to bring in various psychics and mediums. I've talked to, to many, many witnesses uh, to pull information. And we, in some of the sessions with the mediums that I work with, especially a couple of the mediums in particular, we were able to get some really good information and find that it, it jived not only with history, but it jived from medium to medium and psychic to psychic without them having any knowledge of what the other ones were talking about. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible just the things you can find out through talking to eyewitnesses and, you know, digging mm-hmm. deeper in the history. Just the correlations, I mean, are surprising a lot of times. I know I had an experience with the um, Glen Tavern Inn in Santa Paula, California, and I was walking down this mm-hmm. one hallway 
admiring the movie posters and the further down the hallway I would go, my throat was getting tighter and tighter. And I was like, I don't want to find out what's going to happen when I reached the end of the hallway. So I told my mom, I'm done looking at the movie posters. My throat feels tight. And the further away I got from the end of the hallway, my throat was lessening um, in tightness. So my mom was like, I'm going to go ask the front desk person. I'm like, don't do that. <laughs> and so she ran over there and said, what happened down that hallway? And the front desk person said, well, five years prior, the groundskeeper had hung himself on the floor above. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, first of all, places do hold information and emotion. And that is, of course, you know, what they call residual hauntings on TV. And that's much mm-hmm. more common than there actually being a ghost. Uh, but I know the hallway you're talking about I actually did something at the Glen Tra- Tavern in years ago. And I do remember having that kind of same feeling uh, because I've over the years I've paid attention to my feelings, what I feel as I'm in certain places. Uh, something I don't usually experience with the actual apparitions themselves. Usually it's just in the haunting places, the places with residual stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's one of those like weird things that you don't expect. I wasn't investigating or anything, you know, you're just looking at Mm -hmm. posters and that brings me back to, you know, what you were saying earlier about, you know, investigations don't have to be at night. You don't even have to be investigating or looking for anything and it can just happen to you. Right. So places can be haunted without having any history just because the people who are living there kind of create that themselves. Mm -hmm. And there, there actually are instances where people have seen or, or heard, heard footsteps, seen, heard voices, seen figures, even though the people that they're seeing and hearing are still alive because it's living people that leave those impressions behind, not dead people. Um, it's, it's very, very different than what we're dealing with. We're dealing with an apparition with a ghost. Absolutely. And Richard Arnold, have you guys ever actually, you know, gone on in a paranormal investigation? And if you have, where? And if you haven't, where would you like to go if you had the opportunity to? I, I haven't yet. I, I'd love to go. Lloyd and I have talked about a lot of them. And I, I have done tours like like the Queen Mary haunted tour, which uh, in Long Beach here was fascinating. And uh, there's there's the distillery, uh, Lloyd. Is that Moss Beach? Moss Beach distillery, yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think I'd like to go have a drink there. Anytime, Arnold. <laughs> and how about you, Rich? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually haven't done anything like that before. I mean, I, I'm in Chicago. So, of course, uh, mm-hmm. Resurrection Mary is one of the ghosts that I'm, you know, always heard about. And it's like, I'd love to sort of see if I could track that experience down. Um, but, uh, yeah, I haven't had that. And I, it is something that I, I do definitely want to sort of, like, dial into. So the more we research for this book uh, and this book series, uh, I anticipate being more of a part of that and getting it, and, and, you know, Hopefully, Lloyd will be able to point me to some active investigations that I can tag along with at some point. Um, and it's, I'm just dying to give it a try, see what happens. And, and he's promised if he does actually die that he will then communicate with us. <laughs> right. That's right. right. <laughs> I'm going to give you the uh, the sign. We, we've the Harry Houdini promise. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, you know, there are so many, you know, renowned cases out there. Um, 
either disputed like the Amityville horror or, you know, haunting Connecticut. I mean, there's so many iconic paranormal cases out there. Is there any that along the way while writing this book or researching that have kind of inspired you to, you know, want to incorporate any pieces of the story into your writing, Richard Arnold? Well, let me address that because I have borrowed heavily from Lloyd's experiences so far in these books. Uh, (laughs) Like he mentioned, the the story in Afterlife is based on the case he was just talking about where the boy was talking to a ghost. Now, obviously, we add Mm -hmm. a little bit more uh, stuff to it. The woman who died died during the course of a bank robbery after she had hidden a loot. Nobody knows where it is. So now the boy knows where this million-dollar stash is. Um, And then also – <laughs> for the uh, uh, in the beginning of the book too, Jennifer Day is investigating uh, a case where there's footsteps in this woman's attic, and she's terrified of it. And she goes up there, and that actually is based on an actual case that Lloyd investigated that what turned out not to be paranormal in nature. And that's one of the fun things Just that we weird. do in these books too. Is like, you know, yeah, not everything they look into is a ghost. It's like sometimes. There's an actual real-world explanation for it. And we don't shy away from that. It's like, hey, yeah, sometimes that's what it is. We're still in disagreement on that because, a spoiler, that that little opening is a squirrel, and I think squirrels are paranormal. (laughs) (laughs) Only flying squirrels, Arnold. I'm telling you, they are freaky animals. (laughs) They're cute. They're little. Yes, until one jumped on Rich's back when he was carving a pumpkin with our kids. That was, that. I'm telling you, they're paranormal. You just wanted a hug. (laughs) There you go. Christmas vacation. Yeah, Yeah, Christmas vacation. The next book that we're we're doing is, uh, is rooted heavily in remote viewing. And um, you know, have the opportunity to do some interviews and some research on that that I'm really looking forward to because this is one of the, the things, since it's based, since it's something our government actually did and relied on for gathering intelligence, it's like I really want to know what the story is behind this. And so uh, I, I don't know if, it's, if my writing this particular story is just an excuse for me to be able to, have, uh, be able to do the research on this and talk to the people involved. But it's it's going to be a really cool story. Yeah. So Rich is um, taking a look through my uh, the book I co-authored called um, ESP Wars East and West, which is the the history of the U.S. program, but also the Russian programs as well. Uh, and the main author is Edwin C. May, and Ed is um, a, he was he was the program director of Stargate from 19, late 1985 through its closure in 1995, and he continues to do remote viewing research today. And I'm going to have Rich talk to him uh, at length. And then also one of the authors is Joe McMonigle. And Joe McMonigle was the number one viewer, 001 viewer for the Stargate program, uh, and also continues to do remote viewing research. A few other people that I'm going to hook Rich up with. But it's a a really interesting, fascinating um, thing, just what – not just what our government did, but what came out of the other research – because there was a lot of other research going on at the same time about remote viewing, not just what these secret missions the government was tasking these viewers with. Yeah, I mean, remote viewing is definitely, you know, so fascinating. The fact that they can, I've interviewed, you know, quite a few psychics who do remote viewing, and it's just incredible the type of information they can gather, you know, from a distance where they absolutely should not know what they're talking about. <laughs> 
Right, right. And, you know, the, the, our government program, even though the, skept, the skeptical community, or as we like to call them, the pseudo-skeptics, keep saying there's nothing to it, um, there is a ton. In fact, there's four extensive volumes of the archives that have been published uh, by Ed May, um, pretty dense books with both, both hits and misses, but a huge number of hits. And as Ed likes to say it, uh, our government agencies, there were 21 government agencies that tasked or came to the remote viewing unit with questions or, or missions or uh, locations that they wanted to actually check on. And 17 of those agencies kept coming back. So even though four did not, 17 of them found significant use of the information they got from the remote viewers. So it doesn't matter what the skeptics say. There is plenty of evidence, not just the actual quality of what they got, but the very fact that various agencies were continually asking them uh, for information is an indicator that they were good assets for intelligence. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fascinating, too, that, you know, it's, you know, talked about, it's not like a secret that they did use remote viewers in the government, but it's also not as widely talked about. And, you know, so many people, mm -hmm. as you say, the pseudo-skeptics, you know, want to say that there is no truth to the afterlife. But if it wasn't, you know, why would the government have investigated it and, you know, found results the way well, they did? Yeah, and just a, just an important distinction here is that um, the remote viewing stuff happens with people who are alive, so there, we don't have any mediums in the remote viewing group um, that have been doing mm -hmm. that. So in actuality, the, the government program had nothing to do with the afterlife whatsoever, um, but that does not mean the afterlife doesn't exist. And that's a different kind of evidence that we look at in parapsychology uh, in a variety of areas, such as apparitions, the ghost experiences people have, and also with mediums. And there's some significantly well-controlled research going on with spirit mediums today, uh, reincarnation with children who remember previous lives, near-death experiences. All of that gives us that evidence for the afterlife or some survival of consciousness, even though I will tell you that in my, in my field, there are people who don't believe in life after death. They see all of that evidence as evidence of ESP, but not necessarily of consciousness existing after death. Yeah, I mean, I definitely understand that. I always say, you know, with when it comes to ghosts, um, I understand when people are skeptics. It's very hard to believe unless you experience it yourself. And, you know, some people even at that will find ways to explain it away. But it's one of oh, those sure. things that it's, you know, when something really happens to you in the paranormal and you can't explain it away, I mean, that's when you'll understand about, you know, ghosts and spirits. But until then, it's, I completely understand why someone wouldn't believe it. Yeah, and that's the journey that, um, that Nate Rainey is going through because he starts out in the first book having a near-death experience, which he denies was paranormal. So... He is trying to, like many people who call themselves skeptics, they are confronted with an experience or evidence, and they don't even want to go there. And there's a lot of fear that under, underlines that uh, for a lot of folks. I always find it interesting to hear people who um, say they don't believe in ghosts because um, that means that so much of the world is unknown, and they don't like to think about that. Yeah, that, that's why Jennifer is so captivated by Nate is a detective having uh, observation skills is the perfect witness of a 
of the afterlife. Absolutely. This will just come around um, to admitting it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's like yeah. that, you know, the show Evil. I saw a couple of episodes in the beginning, but, you know, yeah. you have the investigator that is trying to figure out what is going on with, like, this demonic stuff that's happening, and then the investigator that absolutely doesn't believe in any of this. And it's sort of like that with uh, Lucifer and Chloe on Lucifer, too. He's telling her that he's from the mm-hmm. Bible. He is Lucifer, and she's like, yeah, yeah, you're just crazy, but you're fine. Well, he's also not presenting – in that show, he was not presenting himself the way that she might have been familiar in the, from, from the New Testament, certainly. Um, that's one of the yeah. great things about that show, I think, is that it's going back much further and, and presenting biblical stuff in a very, very different context. Um, and we see that in a few other TV shows as well from time to time. And that makes it really interesting. Uh, it, it's kind of a hiding in plain sight. You want people to think you're not something, you tell them you are. You know? So one of the, easy, the best places for an alien to hide in our society would be to tell everybody he's an alien. Nobody believe him. Yeah, I mean, when you say something that just seems so strange, no one's going to believe you at all. I mean, right. he said right. the whole time, I, I'm Lucifer, I'm, I'm from the Bible, my dad's God, and everyone's like, yeah, okay, you're crazy, but you're harmless, so you're fine. But then when they find out, they're like, why didn't you tell me? And he's like, I've literally been telling you this entire time. <laughs> right. Yes, you happen to hit on one of my favorite shows, so thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of, of the old uh, George Burns uh, "Oh God" movies too. Those are really fun. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I watched this show called uh, "Warrior Nun" too, and um, talking about hiding in plain sight. Someone was asking them, like, "You have all these like combat skills. Like, wh- who are you guys? Like, you know more than you're leading on." And she goes. We're a secret sect of tactical nuns, and he goes, "Fine, don't tell me." She literally told him. He just didn't want to believe it. <laughs> also, a great show. We just finished watching that. Kind of mad they that do. Netflix canceled them. Well, it is. they're trying it to get is. season three. They put the billboard up across uh, the street from Netflix. I, I, yeah, I know, and I know that they're actually they're trying to hit the other streaming services. So I wouldn't be surprised if somebody else picks it up. For sure. I mean, it's a great show. I mean, just the way they do things cinematically is so visually Mm -hmm. stunning. It's honestly amazing. I keep trying to tell people to watch it, and no one believes me. Yeah, Um, but, you know, that kind of circles back around to what we're doing in the book and and what basically fiction does in general. You know, you exaggerate something that might be either a belief that people have or even fact that exists or experiences people have because you're trying to create drama – or comedy uh, to write to mm-hmm. really get people's interest and keep them in, interested in the story as much as possible. The hard thing is, um, and I'm just going to, this is from my perspective as a parapsychologist. It's when the people who are writing things know nothing about the subject because they don't bother doing, they're just going off of their belief or, or fiction. And then they um, expect people, or I should say the fans of the shows accept that as absolute reality i mean if you look at some of the movies that claim to have been based on a true story they're pretty far from that true experience or that personal experience that somebody actually had and yet people will believe them but then again my uncle the soap opera director told me that there there were actually fans of the soaps who thought that the actors were the characters that they portrayed on tv oh my god um, i spoke to Su- I, I spoke to susan <laughs> lucci once um 
uh, on the set of All My Children. My uncle was directing, and she said that sometimes people would come up to her and, like, you know, be mad at her because she's Erica Kane. And she was exactly the opposite personality. She was the sweetest person I'd ever met. Wow. Yeah, I've seen that online. Like, uh, I know the um, voice actor behind the character Abby on The Last of Us, the video game, she got a ton of hate mm-hmm. for her character. It's like, she's just reading a script. <laughs> I, if you're mad, at least, <laughs> at least be mad at the people who, like, made it. Like, not her. She didn't believe right. she didn't do anything. So it's weird just not that non-separation of reality. Um, but I know we're coming towards the end of the show. So for each of you, uh, let the audience know if you have any upcoming appearances, books, um, interviews, or websites you'd like to mention. Let's start with you, Rich. Yeah, well, for Rainy and Day uh, books, uh, go to rainyanday.com. That's spelled R-A-N-E-Y and D-A-Y-E.com. And that gives you all the information about the books, where to buy them. Uh, we also have the, uh, the Lloyd's Afterwards, where he goes into detail about the cases that inspired uh, the stories in the books. And then also, I'd like to also uh, push my uh, fiction podcast. I do a weekly short story podcast called Bedtime Stories for Insomniacs. You can find it on all your podcast apps and Audible. And how about you, Arnold? Arnold? Sure, thank you. So so I'll leave the upcoming afterlife uh, dates to, to Richard Lloyd, but I will take the opportunity to also share uh, my paranormal young adult book, ESP, Sixth Grade Sense, about a middle schooler who can read minds, not that it helps. And there's also a, a comic joke book, E.S. Pete in E.S. President. And both of those are available for the coming week on Amazon Kindle at no charge and also available in paperback. And, and of course, uh, as, as you said and, and Rich mentioned for Rainy and Day, the near-death book is um, uh, also available on Amazon. And, finally, and um, okay, so first, my the books that I have out that are in print are available on Amazon.com. Uh, just remember, my first name is spelled with one L, so L O Y D A U E R B A C H. And at Lloyd Auerbach is one way to follow me on Twitter, or at Prof Paranormal. But most importantly, coming up, uh, starting uh, the week of February sixth, I have several classes starting. Uh, I teach online classes which are available for folks to take for fun or if they want to go for credit towards a certificate from the Ryan Education Center. That's the education arm of the Ryan Research Center. And I'm teaching a course on field investigations. So if anybody's interested in the way the parapsychologists have learned over the past 140 years to investigate, that's the course for you. I'm also teaching a course called, um, so that's an eight-week class. The second class I'm teaching is called Presenting the Paranormal to the Public, which is for anybody who wants to do uh, public speaking, a podcast, or just talk to your friends so they don't think you're crazy. That's what that class is (laughs) about. I'll I'll be teaching a course on equipment, uh, looking at the ghost hunting equipment uh, in March, and also uh, teaching a class on parapsychology or psychic stuff, the paranormal, and pop culture, as I mentioned earlier, also in March. And that's Rhine, E-D-U, so R-H-I-N-E-E-D-U dot org. You'll find the, the class listings there. Well, I want to thank all three of you so much for coming on today. It was great getting to talk to you, Rich and Arnold. And Lloyd, thank you so much for coming back on today. It's always great getting to speak with you. And congratulations thank you. on the release you. of your book. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Well, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks Bye. so much, guys. You get, you're all welcome anytime. And as as like looks like maybe even beyond a trilogy. Well, fantastic show today, Sophia.
Absolutely. They were all such great guests. I want to thank you all for listening. The show definitely not be possible without all of you. And I will talk to you guys again next week. Bye. Yeah, for Lloyd and Rich and Arnold, too, um, everybody, as uh, uh, Rich pointed out, rainyandday.com, that's R-A-N-E-Y, and day is D-A-Y-E. So rainyandday.com for the books. Also, uh, E-S-P-E-T-E.com for the sixth grade series uh, for Arnold, and also Twitter at uh, Lloyd Auerbach, at Rich Hostek, at Arnold Rednick, and for both Afterlife and Near Death in the book series, Visit Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, wherever books are sold, and RainyAndDay.com. Upcoming, we have renowned astrologer Jeff Harmon next Saturday the 4th. He's providing live uh, 2023 predictions. Also coming up, Travel Channel and Discovery Plus's Michigan Hell House host investigator Steve Shippey and medium Cindy Kaza. That's going to be coming up. Uh, uh, they're going to give us the dates from Travel Channel and Discovery Plus towards the mid to end part of February. So we will be posting that on the Ghost Host Show uh, uh, Facebook fan page. That's where we just post dates as we learn of them real time for guests. So the Ghost Host Show with Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. We'll see you next week. Hi, this is Debbie at Sion Ghost Adventures. You're listening to The Ghost Host with your host, Sophia Temporelli on LiveParanormal.com. God bless you all. for joining us on History FM Radio on LiveParanormal.com and History.fm. From paranormal to the unexplained history, it all happens here. Looking to enhance your radio experience? Participate in live interactive chat 24-7 with our radio show hosts and other like-minded people on www.liveparanormal.com. The only interactive social chat room supported by full interactive media. Stop by now and join in on the fun. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.